Welcome to Season 2 of Reframe Your Life, a podcast for women who think differently and want to explore ideas and topics relevant to all areas of their life. Hi Life Reframers, welcome to Episode 30. Today we're going to talk about a topic we are both very, very passionate about and that is leadership. Hi Sandy, how are you today? I'm fine, Joanne. Had a very busy weekend and am looking forward to talking about leadership with you today. Yeah, that's good. It's always good to have a fun, busy weekend. Was it fun? I shouldn't it, assume it was fun. <laughs> oh, no, it was. We had a, a big family gathering here. So we had dinner for about 14 yesterday. So that's what made it really busy. But it was it was good. We had a really good time. Nice. Nice. So we are talking about leadership today and to me everyone is a leader no matter what you do you're all leaders of your own lives we are we all have the ability to make decisions generally most of us with decision making capacity can decide what we want to do in our lives but some people are also positional leaders so they have a a position of leadership where they are leading or managing programs or projects or people or organizations. And that's a huge responsibility of leadership. So we talk about things on this podcast that relate to individual leadership a lot and actually both, a lot of crossover. Today we really wanted to focus on supporting people who are in positions of leading others or leading teams or leading organizations and really try and unpack like what makes an effective leader. I was looking forward to this topic because you and I met doing our Masters of Leadership. So as you know, anybody who's listened to our podcast knows that story. And obviously, when you study at that level on the topic of leadership, you you go into that because leadership is really important to you. And I think that for both of us, you know, as we've worked in organizations in whatever capacity we've been in, we've both managed to find ourselves in leadership positions in those organizations and also in roles of supporting leadership. So when we were talking about our our podcast topics, we realize we've never talked about leadership and organizational leadership specifically. So um, I think we do have a lot of talk uh, thoughts on this. And yeah, it's interesting that you start off saying that everyone is a leader, because I think that's something that people would dispute for sure. People, you know, there's the whole nurture and nature. Are people natural born leaders? Can you learn to be a leader? I think in the broader sense, I agree with you that everyone is a leader of their own lives. But I think there's leaders in that capacity. And then I think there are leaders in organizations um, that either have a formal position of leadership or because of who they are and how people respond to them, they are the de facto leader or people look to them as a leader in an organization. I also think everyone has a responsibility of leading within the organization as well in their own role. Whether they are in a leadership position or not, they have a responsibility and an accountability to do their job and and do it well. And 
challenge the process and have conversations with people if if things come up rather than just sit back in their personal lives everyone is a leader but whenever I'm doing training I always say you're all leaders at work meaning you all have a responsibility to build an effective team it's not just the team leader who has that responsibility you all have a role to play yes that's what I mean I guess as well about leadership we can't just have people sitting back and expecting everyone else to kind of pick things up and take the lead if if things aren't going well no matter what position you are in the organization you have a responsibility to engage in dialogue rather than just sit back and complain about it <laughs> yes and that I agree we don't need to be a victim we don't need to sit, sit yeah. back and say I don't have the title so I don't have responsibility here Right, which leads into one of the first kind of aspects of leadership, I guess, which is leading ourselves. And it's funny you talk about our masters because that's exactly the, you know, what we kind of delved into right at the beginning. We spent a lot of time learning about ourselves, learning about um, our values, our personality type, what drives us. So really to be an effective leader of others, you really need to understand and know who you are and what are your strengths and what are your challenges and how do you impact others yes and I, I think you know what you're saying is self-awareness and I think self-awareness is falls under emotional intelligence and the whole idea of knowing your values is part of that we did a whole episode on values I think it was episode 11 in season one we did an episode on values and it's so important I think when a leader isn't grounded in their values when they are operating from those things where they're either influenced by you know the mood of the day or the flavor of the month or whatever it is and they're not making decisions from a place of values that really chips away at at their team, at their relationships, and at their influence as a leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think leading from your values, to me, that's one aspect of integrity. And I think one of the challenges uh, for individuals and effective leadership is we need to be consistent. And if we're not consistent, then people don't know who we are and what is important to us. I agree. I think consistency is really important. Something else I think is really important is continuing to learn as a leader and having a learner's approach to what you're doing. I've heard, actually heard that saying, I don't know if you've ever heard it, that mm. leaders are learners. And I think when someone is learning it, it there's some humility that's involved in that it helps us keep our ego in check we're aware that we may know a certain amount about certain things but there's more learning that we can do and we have more of an open mind and so I think for leaders one thing that's really important is to be continually learning and developing when you are a learning leader to me, it just shows that you're human. <laughs> yes, you have a certain position 
that you are holding. But like you said, it doesn't mean you know everything or have to know everything. A good leader will continue to learn and will understand, this comes back to the self-awareness, understands what they know and what they don't know. I was working with a leader who was challenging one of their managers and and said, well, I asked them that question and, and they didn't know the answer to that question. And it was quite a specialist technical question. And, um, you know, the, the leader said to me, well, the manager told me, I don't know. It's not my job to know. It's my job to know where to find the answer. I, you know, I have good people around me who can um, get the answer for me. So I don't know it right now. And the leader said to me, well, I don't think that's right. They should know everything. And I said, really? <laughs> like, how can they possibly know everything if, if they're, you know, a fairly senior leader and they've got many different areas underneath them? Of course, that's why they employ people. So when a leader thinks they have to know everything, to me that's more about ego and shame getting in the way or guilt getting in the way. No, just it's you don't have to know everything. Before we started the podcast, you and I were talking about leaders who we admire and mm-hmm. specifically women who we admire, women in leadership. And I recently have been binge-watching The Crown on Netflix and really struck with um, the early part of Queen Elizabeth's reign and you know in the 50s and 60s as depicted on that show and she really was a learner I mean she had to step into that role suddenly and without being fully prepared for it and I think what you're talking about she really modeled that in there like where she was reaching out to people and asking them for their insight and their understanding of the situation as she made decisions and really led the nation. And I I thought that was really fascinating because I have this perception of her at this stage of her life Mm -hmm. and didn't really have that exposure to her in her younger days when she was starting out and just seeing how much learning she was doing. So I think that's important. She really stepped into the role and didn't shy away from the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes, she sought counsel and feedback and input, but then she stepped in and made decisions. I mean, have you ever worked for a leader who doesn't make a decision? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or, or gets back to the inconsistency and changes their mind. There has to be the, the confidence and the competence to make a decision. Um, it's challenging. Yes, we don't always know how it's going to turn out, but a leadership trait is the ability to go, okay, I've taken all this into consideration. I've heard some other voices because I don't know everything and and this is the decision that I make and then stand by that decision and then support everyone around that decision. So that's, yeah, led into another really good quality of leadership. I want to just talk about one more under the leading self, Sandy, and that's managing ourselves and managing our interactions and reactions to people. And I'm um, coaching a client at the moment who uh, is doing the whole, um, well, that's just how I am. And, and I've told my team, that's how I am. I can be very aggressive and very assertive, but they should just take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> mm. And I'm like, you know, if you want to be a leader, you won't um, 
interact and react that way, you'll work out how to best um, motivate and engage them and, and adapt. So adaptability, adapting your style, but just understand. So either adapting your style, but also understand how you're impacting people which will help you adapt your style. And I just remember that was my, one of my big aha learnings when, you know, early in my um, career of leading people because um, I was probably the same. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is how I am and, you know, don't worry, I might speak fast but it doesn't mean anything or whatever. But once I understood how that impacted people, I realised then I have to adapt. It shouldn't be everyone else that just has to accept that. Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good insight there about adapting to the situation. And, and that goes as well with that being open and keeping your own ego in check. You know, I think there's there's um, a lot to be said about humility. I When you were talking about that, I, I was thinking about how people can become aware of how they affect other people and how, you know, because sometimes like at at least your client was aware of that. At least they, Mm -hmm. you know, knew that they, they had this approach and even though we might not agree with their, everyone needs to just roll with it and accept it because I'm the leader thinking at least they had the self-awareness. I've worked with people who have no idea how they're impacting other people. You know, they're just, they're oblivious. They kind of mm. leave this wake of destruction behind them of, of hurt, frustrated, low morale, disillusionment um, from working with them. So, you know, I think along with that managing ourselves, we want to and um, being aware of how we affect people, we want to remind people as well that one of the best ways to do that is ask for feedback and ask for if you're not aware of how you're affecting people, if you can't really answer that question, how does my leadership affect my team? You need to have a conversation with people on your team and ask them, how, how do they experience you as a leader? Mm-hmm. And it may not be safe to have a conversation, right? So you may need to engage um, other feedback mechanisms or other feedback tools yes. um, to, to support that. So um, a 360 or even an external coach coming in and having some, um, you know, private conversations with the team to really gather some feedback um, on, a, on an anonymous level, if you like. Um, but that's the only, absolutely, Sandy, That I mean, that's the only way. We've all got our blind spots. We've all got the things we can't see. Um, but really, and I'm not saying we have to, you know, there's going to be the outliers. Um, but this person knew, I mean, they're, they're coming to me because they want to improve, but I think they're just trying to make that make that leap from, I know, and that's the first thing they said to me, I know I speak aggressively. I know I'm too assertive. I, I know I try and micromanage. But that's just the way I am. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> you know? so, so I, you know, I'm kind of constantly asking, okay, that's great. Self-awareness is awesome. But self-awareness without change is literally just self-awareness. So do you want to grow and, and adapt and improve in order to better interact and engage and motivate your team um which is all the things we've you know we've spoken about be Mm -hmm. open be open know that you 
your way isn't necessarily the only way and um, maybe your way is better. But when you're working with people, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to let people have their way of doing things and, and try and, and work out their way of, of getting from A to B or whatever the situation is. So, so yeah, definitely getting some feedback um, from people and finding different ways to do that um, is is uh, I, I, Sandy. I, well, that's the only way I've ever learned from feedback, and I've done it in all different ways. So, of course, we had a very, very, very safe environment when we were studying. So we got tons and tons and tons of feedback, and then of course I've had the anonymous feedback um, processes as well. So um, yeah, and and we and we did a whole episode on feedback as well. Sorry, we did a whole episode on feedback. That's right. And so, um, you know, people can find that if they look in our podcast feed. We'll put a link to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll put it in the newsletter. Mm, okay. So certainly leading ourselves is definitely uh, the first aspect on being able to lead others. If we can't lead ourselves, then we can't lead others. So if we're talking about leading others sandy what do you think are some of the most important leadership qualities when we have the you know i think quite frankly honorable position to to be able to lead others so i would say building trust is probably something that i think is really high on the list for when we're leading other people so some of the things you already talked about you know being consistent is huge in building trust with people and being self-aware and and being open those all of the ways we lead ourselves help us lead other people but for me it really breaks down quickly in when I'm on a team and somebody else is leading if I don't feel like I can trust them so I think being able to instill trust or confidence in who you are is important how about you? Mm. What would you say? Yeah. And uh, I'm just kind of tacking on to that, building and maintaining relationships all around um, as as a team. You know, it, ta- it takes effort. And leaders need to invest in their relationships at work and in their team members at work. Yes. Um, and that's a continual process. So ongoing feedback is an effective way to do that. Just kind of those little weekly check-ins, you know, doing some away from work social um, activities and stuff. Just really uh, maintaining relationships because yes, if something happens and trust gets eroded, it takes a long time for that to come back. Um, but if you're bu- continuously building um, and maintaining and, and ongoingly, sorry, if you're continuously building and working on the relationship, not kind of taking it for granted or, or not investing, um, then you can work through those bumps of trust along the way. You know what I think is a really easy way, or not easy, maybe it's not the right way to say it, but an effective way to build trust is to give people credit on your team and to thank them for their contributions. You know, I think that creates a lot of trust in a team when, when I do something and I, I put in a lot of effort, for some reason, and maybe this is my MBTI type or whatever, but when that's not acknowledged or, I, you know, I'm not given any credit for it, I 
for some reason, don't find myself able to really trust the person. Mm. Yeah, because you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think what helps me building with kind of trusting and I guess respecting the leader is when they manage the team effectively. You know, when they when they address conflict, when they address challenges, when they hold a safe space of accountability, when they address issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked on teams where kind of everyone in the team knows that there's a challenging team member or two and it's the unspoken word amongst the team and the team leader doesn't do anything about it. So to me, I lose trust and respect very, very quickly. It's interesting you say that because as you were talking, I was thinking about a team that I've been a part of and there's some accountability. There have been accountability issues on the team for a long time and I'm the leader of the team. And as you were talking, I was thinking it just takes a lot of courage sometimes as a leader to do that. And then I thought, oh, that's your business, courage to lead. (laughs) Because it does. It takes a lot of courage to, to hold people accountable and to handle conflict. All those things you're saying are, are so rooted in courage as a leader. Yeah, it, it absolutely takes courage. So people need to have have a bit of courage. And I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> like I'm not saying it's easy, people. But when you are in that position, what I kind of firmly believe is you don't have a choice. Like it's your job. You have to do you have to do it. You know, it's your it's your responsibility. You know, I've got a number of clients where it's not happening and then things just become, honestly, it becomes a joke and that just filters through the whole of the organisation. You know, lack of respect, lack of trust, lack of teamwork and it, it can foster a lot of negativity whereas if a team leader is addressing those situations, and I'm not saying address it publicly or anything like that. I mean, addressing them with the individuals involved and trying to help them, trying to coach them, you know, ensuring that they do whatever they need to do or engage. I feel like it just fosters a different culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well so, put. so it's it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. But if you if you take your role and your your job seriously and you take leadership seriously, then you will, because everyone else sees it, and ev- and then what they see is the leader with the head in the sand, mm-hmm. and so it just negatively impacts on the leader. So, so yeah, that's a pretty important one. Yes, <laughs> for me. But then with that, of course, developing others. You know, leaders need to be able to uh, develop others. So we've, we've spoken about having your ego in check. I've, I've kind of mentioned micromanaging. It's, you know, being an effective leader of others is finding out what motivates them, uh, asking them what they would do or giving them a little bit more power and control and autonomy over things. And enabling them to step up and shine and enabling them to take the credit, as you said. That's great. I think those are, you know, and there's a difference between micromanaging and holding people accountable. It's a fine line (laughs) sometimes, I think, or I think sometimes people are afraid to micromanage. You know, when I do training, that always comes up when I'm doing leadership development. This, like this um, negative feeling about being micromanaged. Right, right. 
And I think sometimes that, uh, and I think women, most of our audience is women, especially we have this fear of appearing like we're micromanaging and that impacts our ability to hold people accountable. So I think people need to work that out in their leadership. So when am I micromanaging and when am I holding people accountable? And there's a need to hold people accountable, but not micromanage. So I I think motivation is part of it, but I think that's something I would encourage people listening to really think about that. Mm. Am I so afraid of micromanaging that I am not holding people accountable and do I need to step up? Or am I so controlling and micromanaging? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess what does it mean to other people? So one of the things... Um, effective leaders do is clear communication and and as part of clear communication there's making clear agreements and expectations and we've spoken about expectations and to me if there has been a clear agreement made between a leader and someone on the team and everyone understands then of course the leader has the responsibility to check in on that or question where the work is or information is, et cetera. That's not micromanaging. That's that's holding people accountable, right? Exactly, so, and that's important. So, yeah. So, of course, if you're telling them how to do it and what step to do first and this and that, then, yes, that's micromanaging. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point, Sandy. Micromanaging is not checking in on clear agreements and accountability to produce work or complete tasks or whatever it is. Good. So leading self, leading others. And I think the next area that we want to talk about is the area of leading an organization. So often they come in that order, don't they? We, you know, we really focus on our own leadership or leading ourselves and our own development. And then we find ourselves leading teams and, and then we become uh, more of a player or maybe that's not the right word, but um, having more influence within an organization and taking on even a larger leadership role. So, Let's talk a little bit about that, about leading organizations mm. and what are some of the things that are important there. Well, I think you can't have leaders unless you have followers. So engaging and setting clear vision and strategy, uh, leaders need to be able to do that and they need to be able to communicate that because that's what engages people in the organization. Understand, define your vision define your strategy going forward and communicate it to help people see the role and the place that they're taking in achieving that for the organization. That's really important. And you and I have both worked with organizations to help in this area of setting vision and strategy. And that is, I agree, it's really important. And it's interesting when you go into work with in an organization and they're going through this process of really figuring out what their strategy is the once they get that once they get really clear on that and their leadership team is really bought into it and supporting it it's amazing how things shift in the organization and they start to see greater results Mm -hmm. Uh, we've spoken about daniel pink's motivation before people are motivated um 
by achievement, by affiliation, but so by connection to others. And so I think connection to the vision and strategy is really important. People want to know they're going to work and it's making a difference, you know, to the organization, to their team. Um, and, of course, what motivates people is is autonomy, so the power to make decisions over some of their own day-to-day work. So as long as you can kind of find find the balance in all of that, then you'd be a great team and organisational leader. Managing the political, and I'm not talking politics as in governmental politics, I'm talking organisational politics. That is part of the role. That's been a really hard one for me, is managing politics. I, like you, I, I don't like politics in, I, I don't like, it feels like a game to me. It yeah. feels, it feels wrong and, and yet it is very strategic and it's something I've had to really learn because I, I, I've learned it the hard way. I think by ignoring politics and especially not cultivating um, relationships with people of influence in the organization and kind of just doing my little silo thing in, in a role has not been a good thing in my career. And so I've had to learn and really embrace this whole idea that it's important to be seen and be known by the people of influence who hold the power in an organization. And to me, that's what politics in an organization is. And it's not a bad thing. Yeah, especially if it's going to help you get done what you need done and and progress the area of, of the organization. I think the challenge here is when people play politics for their own individual benefit rather than the organizational benefit. Right. And that's the ego bit. It, we're not talking here about playing politics so that you can jostle for the next promotion or anything like that. We're talking about understanding how to influence others in the organization for and, and outside the organization for the benefit of the goals of the organization, not the goals of leader A from this department or whatever it is. Or when people are so hungry for those relationships of power and influence that they really neglect anyone who doesn't hold that kind of a a position in Mm. the organization. So they don't have time for the person who's greeting them at the door, the person who's delivering their mail, you know, they see themselves as above those relationships. I think that's a, a time when politics can get out of hand. Yeah, and I think that's where, again, they're not understanding everyone is important. Like everyone plays a role in the organisation. Everyone is important. It's beyond the leader. Show good leadership capacity and leadership quality. The other thing that's really important kind of at an organisational level is managing change and understanding how change impacts others and understanding that there should be a process to change, that, yes, we're never going to get everyone happy, but there's a process and a way of communicating change that helps engage people, that just ensures that the culture and the change is implemented in a positive way. Yeah, I agree. And that's a huge topic, managing change. There's there's so many elements of that, so many different parts to managing change in an organization. 
I think it is something that leaders need to really read and understand and get some learning around how people are managing and working through when there's big changes in an organization. Yeah, and we're going to actually do a whole um, episode on that. So we'll be able to offer some advice and a bit of a change management process for people. Sandy, I want to talk about the book that we kind of sunk our teeth into a lot, The Leadership Challenge by Kuzis and Posner. They offered the five exemplary practices of leadership. And you know what? As I was doing some more research for this episode today, they've actually got an assessment now. Oh, so do I'm they? like, oh, this might be fun. And, yeah, as coaches, we can facilitate this assessment with, with leaders that we're coaching and stuff. So I'm going to look into that. It's kind of looks kind of neat. So they developed the five exemplary pra- practices of leadership, and I want to go through them because I really think they, they kind of embody everything we've just spoken about. So the first one is model the way. And this goes back to where we were talking about, you know, you've really got to know your values. Uh, you've got to lead. Um, ethically and with integrity. So this is really about setting standards of excellence and walking the talk, you know, saying hello to everyone, for example, really modelling the way, really um, stepping up and having those difficult conversations when you need to, Um, being vulnerable when you need to, saying I don't know when you need to, you know, making it okay through modelling the way there. I think it's so important because... When a leader isn't demonstrating or living by example, that is going to really impact the whole organization. I was talking to a client last week and about some uh, training initiative that they were interested in. And they were saying to me, do you think we need to do this for the senior leadership or can we just kind of roll it out at the front line? And I said to them, the first thing the people on the front line are going to do is look at the leaders and say at the senior people and ask, have they received this? Are they doing this? So I said, I think you should start there and let it filter down. Don't expect people at the front line to start operating this way if it's not being done for the people they report to first because that's where they're looking for the example. Yeah, totally, totally. It starts at the top, right? And, yes, we can we can do what we can when we're not at the top, but kind of at the, the people at the top show us how we are supposed to behave and the values of the organization, right? Exactly. Gosh, yeah, absolutely. The next one is inspire a shared vision, and that's what we were talking about in envisioning the future and engaging people and speaking passionately and enthusiastically about it and acknowledging everyone has the role to play in that vision. You know, I think that's really, really important, breathing life into the vision for people, always having it at the forefront of dialogue and conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like that inspire. I think that's just a really strong word that they use. You know, it's not just having a shared vision, but as a leader, you have to be really inspiring people. Yeah, because that's where you get your followers, right? Yeah. Like, if you don't inspire, you don't get followers. And I love this next one, of course. You're going to know I love this next one. (laughs) Challenge the process. Search for opportunities to change the status quo. I hate hearing in teams, but we've always done it this way. Oh, my gosh. Poke my eyes out. 
<laughs> look for innovation. Look for ways to continue to pr- improve the organization. Ask other people, especially new people, new blood into the organization. I think that's really important. I don't know. What's your – Sandy, I've always had this whole challenge with oh, people staying in the organization for 20, 25, 30 years, and I don't want to offend anyone with this. I get that there's different roles that they play during that time, but I don't know. I have a, I have a challenge. Challenge because I think as long as we can continue to challenge the status quo and bring innovation, then maybe that's okay. But if it's kind of same old, same old for 30 years, ooh, I'm going to question that. I agree. And I think that's kind of an old model now. I think people are um, finding that they have many, many different types of roles in many different types of organizations and are, are moving around a lot more than they used to. But I have the same aversion to the word, to that phrase, this is how we've always done it. And yeah, it makes me a little crazy too. And I think (laughs) it's important for leaders to challenge people on that, you know, and ask them, you know, so when when did you start doing it that way? What was the situation? And what would happen if we changed it? What are you afraid of? You know, I think challenging the process really involves a high level of communication on a leader's part. And again, trust with people and some of the things that we've already talked about. But I do think that if if people listening want to be really effective leaders in their organization, being willing and able to challenge the process may cause you a slight dip in popularity at times, but it definitely will benefit the organization. Mm. And this is where culture comes in. And, of course, courage, which we've spoken about. I mean, risk-taking and innovation takes a certain amount of acceptance that there's going to be failures. Um, But it can happen in small steps, even things like the annual golf day. (laughs) Change it up. Mm-hmm. If that's a safe thing to change, even if they can only find some smaller things that uh, are safer and monitor the engagement and interaction and reaction from team members. Do some little experiments. But it is important. I mean, change is our only constant. And today, more than any other generation, I think, with, with technology, we have to be very open to disruption and challenging the process. So, The next one that we have from the Leadership Challenge is enabling others to act. So as part of your five exemplary practices of leadership, um, Kutz and Posner suggest enabling people to act. So fostering collaboration and building strong teams are really important um, I was going to say tools, but I don't think they're, they're competencies more that I think leaders mm-hmm. need to have. So, you know, being able to create that kind of an environment where people are sharing knowledge and supporting each other and working together to achieve their goals is a, an important skill for people, for leaders to have, definitely. Mm-hmm. When I talk to people who lead teams and I ask them, where did you learn to lead a team? Nobody's really had any education in how to lead a team. They've just learned from being on teams or 
you know, maybe what they've seen or heard, but I, I just, I feel like it's something that organizations often do team development days where they bring in someone to work with an existing team that's either having issues or challenges and trying to get the morale up and get them to address some internal conflicts and work together. I think more organizations would benefit from having a formal, this is how you lead a team development program and mm -hmm. teach people some skills around this is what is important in team leadership. It's a good point that people need support in that. I'm surprised about how many people are promoted to team leadership and not given any tools or support on how to do it. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that all we're doing is setting them up to fail. And, of course, the ones who are very keen and eager will will learn. So the ones with maybe a little bit more natural leadership capacity will seek out and learn. But others won't. And then they're the ones who aren't focusing on building a strong team and having those challenging conversations and stuff. So I think that, and that's, where, that's when people start to feel unhappy at work and start to leave. Yeah. The last one we want to talk about is encouraging the heart, and that's the leader's ability to keep hope and determination and camaraderie and teamwork alive. So a bit like what we were just talking about then, you know, how do you actually build a team and, and really support the team? And it really is about team, you know, sharing in all the rewards, sharing in all the efforts, uh, a team that can celebrate accomplishments, a team that can step in when some people on the team are struggling. Um, that's what really kind of encourages people to step in and step up every day. I agree. I think I talked about that already, about one of the things that is important to me and helps build trust for me is encouraging the heart. So when somebody recognizes a contribution that I've made, it really goes a long way for me. And, mm. you know, I think it's important here to know how people on your team like to get their recognition because not everybody wants it the same way. Some people like to get their recognition publicly. They want you to thank them in a town hall meeting. They want mm -hmm. to see something done, you know, on a team day. And then other people really shy away from that. And, you know, just a private thank you so much. I know that you've worked really hard on this project. I've seen the hours you've put in and I, I really appreciate it. It goes a long way with other people. And then for some people, they like their reward to be even more tangible. Like you've put in a lot of hours. Why don't you take a day off next week? And that's mm -hmm. a way to really encourage them. So even ask people, how do you like ah. to be recognized? How do you like to be rewarded for your hard work? Totally. Not assuming we all want to have it done in the same way. Yeah, so that's a bit of an insight into what we think individual team and organizational leadership is about and what are some qualities and traits and characteristics of effective leaders. I think we should just encourage you to reflect on your own leadership ability. Whether you are a team leader or not, you still have the ability to lead in your role in the organization, whether you are a team member or a team leader or a business leader. So, yeah, just reflect on where you're at now, uh, what 
what strengths you have to offer and perhaps what are some areas of development. Or we invite you to engage in some getting some feedback, you know, do some personality mm-hmm. profile testing or the 360 review. It's only when you really understand where you are now and what your reality is now that you can start to realign and develop a self-improvement plan. All good leaders have development plans. We all have areas and opportunities to develop and grow. The other thing I wanted to do here is is put in a plug for what we do, Sandy. <laughs> we both coach and and do team development and, and team training. And it is always good to look at the opportunity of having an external consultant or facilitator in to support. And I know I've, I've personally had uh, coaches in my own leadership journey, and I'm sure you have too, Sandy. Mm-hmm. And even when I was a, a team leader, just because I know after my master's, if I know this stuff, I'm not necessarily going to facilitate the the team day because it's good to get an external facilitator in. So I just invite you to check out both of our website, CourageToLead.ca and SandyReynolds.com, if you're interested in learning more. And I, I want to just end by saying, you know, we both really want to see leaders growing in their ability to lead organizations and we've talked a lot about this and we know that there is a need for women to to take on more senior roles in in organizations as well as to see younger people starting to grow into some of these more senior leadership roles and so part of what we want to do is to encourage and support that and and um, I think that will really change our world for the better as we have stronger, more effective, more balanced leaders. I think this was a really good introduction to our thoughts on leadership. So thank you, Joanne and Life Reframers. We hope that this helps you lead your lives more fully and more aware. Hi Life Reframers, did you enjoy our episode today? If so, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.